Our uh, speaker for this session and the one that immediately follows is Mike Reese. Uh, Mike lives in Fairmont, West Virginia, and is the uh, preacher for the McMinnville, West Virginia Church. Mannington. Ma Mannington. I knew I was going to say that wrong. <laughs> um, and also serves as uh, one of the elders there. Um, Mike is married to Linda. They have uh, two children, one boy and one girl, um, both of which reside in Tennessee. Um, Mike is one that is very well educated and well studied. If you know him at all, you know that he's got a long list of academic credentials that have concluded with him his receiving a doctorate degree uh, that is going to be related to uh, what we're going to be talking about in these uh, two sessions. He has done extensive research, unique research, in this area of assessing Bible knowledge, and I'm anxious to hear about uh, what Mike has to say. You get to know someone when you travel with them and you spend uh, time with them, and uh Mike is very active in our international program. He is the uh, coordinator of the three schools that we have in Kenya and the school that we uh, have in Uganda. So basically uh, East Africa, uh, kind of Northeast Africa. And uh, I've traveled with Mike to teach in the uh, Kisumu Kenya School a number of times, and um, uh, the very first time that we were scheduled to go over together, um, you learn a lot about a person when he leaves you stranded. We were supposed to meet in Minneapolis and then fly to Kenya. I'd never been to Kenya, didn't know anybody in Kenya, didn't know how to navigate the Nairobi airport, of course, you hear all these horror stories of uh, terrorists and all those guys in the Nairobi airport. But I've got Mike with me, who's been there several times, Mr. Experience. But he calls me and says, I missed my flight. I'm not going to make it. And he uses, I mean, talk about a lame excuse. The Pittsburgh airport is closed because of a huge snowstorm. <laughs> Who believes that? <laughs> but so anyway, I flew over uh, by myself. But we've uh, uh, we've enjoyed. I when I when I visit congregations, I'm able to assess the relationship of the preacher and the congregation pretty quickly by just watching the interaction. If you would travel to Kenya with Mike Reese, you would find out in the first five minutes how much the Kenyans love this man. He has taken on the responsibility of uh, being a coordinator and gone above and beyond what uh, those of us in Denver could have ever hoped that a coordinator would do. He has not only uh, done a superb job with the schools, but has branched out in a number of other areas uh, with camping and things along that line. Uh, I really love Mike. I really consider him to be a dear friend. 
so much so that Linda begs me to rag on him as much as I can. And I do, I do a pretty good job uh, of that. And she enjoys hearing every, every poke and every rag. Um, but uh, th- we're blessed to be able to be here and to benefit from the research uh, that Mike has done. And so without any further delay, Mike, I'll turn it over to you. Thank you, Danny. Danny did get me back in some ways. He um, invited me to the picnic on Thursday. Didn't tell me I had to bring my own food. <laughs> so no food there. One Another part of that story, if you'll remember, we had, you and I had been scheduled to teach and preach clear across Nairobi in actually one of the most dangerous slum areas of Nairobi, a city of 15 million. Um, you're still alive. You survived. <laughs> so uh, when you do mission work with someone, it just magnifies characteristics and qualities in your personality. And there's two men that I've traveled several times uh, with to Kenya. Aaron Gallagher with Gospel Broadcast Network. He's going to be running the slides because I'll get to talking and forget about doing it, and you'll get way behind. But I've known Aaron from the time he was a little snotty-nosed, scrawny kid of, what, about 12 years old? Um, grew up, and he's become one of my dearest friends. It's true Paul Barnabas relationship. You need to get to know Aaron and his wonderful work at Gospel Broadcast Network. And Danny, you're the real deal. Appreciate it for just. Uh, and we're gonna travel again, God willing, in January. So you'll have another shot. That's right. <laughs> Looking forward to it. We've talked a lot about Bible knowledge this lectureship the past three days and a lot of emphasis placed on Bible knowledge. <laughs> Be diligent to present yourself approved to God. Hit the slide in. Here we go. <laughs> Worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We know that in scriptures we've been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. We're reminded in Hebrews 4.12 that the word of God is sharp, it's living, etc., and then the psalmist wrote, Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. I think I've heard all of these scriptures referenced multiple times since Thursday evening. But um, the psalmist uh, recognized this. We recognize the importance of having a working Bible knowledge, a worldview. Every Christian should have that world, that biblical world view. So to become better disciples of Jesus Christ and our learning about him and how we can become better disciples of him, better apprentices of Jesus Christ, how do we develop our Bible knowledge? Two questions that I want to answer in this session. Number one, what is our level of Bible knowledge in churches of Christ? Now, I'll mention here in just a moment that this Um, research began with my doctoral work, but I've continued on and worked with many congregations and continue to do the surveys. The most recent one, some of you participated in the assessment of Bible knowledge test just recently here at Bear Valley. Talk more about that in just a moment. And possibly what is more important is what factors contribute most to our Bible knowledge? That's the two questions that we're going to answer in this session. And then if the Lord allows us to go into the second session, we're going to take our 
uh, findings of our research and these 20 variables that we plugged in, and we're going to try and make some practical application. You know, research and getting your data, that's not an, uh, an end to itself. That's just a means toward an end. So if I can't give you something that's practical, that you can take home to your congregations that would maybe help you as a Christian, then I failed in my mission. So what I sought to do, I wanted to find the level of Bible knowledge among adherents, Sunday school participants, didn't have to be members of Churches of Christ. And I'll tell you how I did that here in just a moment. And what I also wanted to do, I wanted to, I plugged in some different demographics. Church demographics. What was the makeup of the church? The size? Did they have an educational director? What type of material did they use when they studied? Uh, the Bible content delivery, then selected acts of discipleship. And I think this is really where the rubber meets the road in some of this research. And then we got down to the individual tested subjects demographics, age, gender, educational level, and right down to your daily walk with God. How often do you read your Bible? For how long? Things like this. So um, let's begin by just telling you what I did in this research to give you a better understanding of, of how this all went together. Uh, the following is basically... And um, a summary of the assessment of Bible knowledge among churches of Christ. And I limited my initial research to churches in West Virginia. Uh, just had to, I could have done it nationwide, but uh, my advisor and I decided that this, um, it probably cross over and would go throughout at least the United States. Aaron, hit the next slide. As I mentioned earlier, did this initial research back in 2010, but I've continued for the last several years uh, to continue doing the research. Denny, one thing that I'm not even sure you're aware of, several of our schools have used this for their entrance level um, assessment of the initial student's Bible knowledge. Um, even had a school in one of the foreign countries, and the, the fellow... Uh, translated the test, and they administered the test there. So, um, again, this is an ongoing project. I did my work down at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary down in Wake Forest. Um, so here's how we did it. First part of the project of the dissertation is I had to develop a some type of a survey instrument. And... Uh, what I had to do was, first of all, get a valid test instrument. So go ahead and, and hit the next slide. And what I did, I got a 100-question test, 50 Old Testament questions, 50 New Testament questions, and we call that the Assessment of Bible Knowledge Test. And there's two, in order for there to be scientific research uh, to get proper data, you have to, every test has to go through a process. First of all, we had to test the validity of the, the test. Is it testing what we want it to test? Is it going to give us a true representation of Bible knowledge? Then we had to test the reliability of the survey. And there's um, actually some, some split tests that you do, and then uh, you, you run some, some uh, analysis of that. And the purpose of the reliability is, is it going to transfer out of that initial 
um, situation and test what we want it to all across the, the nation and around the world. So I uh, got through that process, and since uh, the initial research in 2010, I've conducted research in various states, uh, continued some in, in West Virginia, Virginia, Michigan, Colorado, and several foreign countries. I'm going to pass this around. If you don't want to touch it due to COVID, just don't touch it and let the person beside you touch it. But you can just see it, get an idea of what um, we did. I have an AccuScan sheet if any of you have ever done any testing or anything. Um, run that through an AccuScan reader. And it dumps all the data into a program that I have, SPSS. Real simple process. We got the mean, uh, the median and the mean. The mean, the average is what we were looking at. And then we ran just a simple analysis. It's called one-way ANOVA. I care less that you remember that. But what we do, uh, Brian, you're laughing. You know what we're, we're talking about here. Uh, just get the mean. And then what we're looking for is... These results, when we plug these 20 different variables in, does this happen just by chance? Well, I, in, in sociological research, I set this at a 95% confidence level. So what, we, what that means is I'm 95%, I put it in layman's terms, I'm, we're 95% sure that when I say this is significant or scientifically significant, that this variable contributed to that outcome, the correlation there, okay? In other words, it didn't happen by chance, okay? So we're pretty sure of this, pretty reliable. Okay, the next slide there, Aaron. Um, got 1,522 usable assessments on my initial survey. Go ahead and hit the next slide. Um, and what I did, we, we did a, a stratified survey of churches randomly select the good hit all the next two. There you go. Okay. Group one, I just divided the churches in West Virginia up zero to 49 average Sunday morning attendance. Group two, 50 to 100. Group three, over 100. Now, it was relatively easy to get the data for these, but that was hard to, for those smaller congregations uh, to get that data. Okay, go ahead and hit the next slide, Aaron. I used um, the, uh, actually surveyed 54 churches and used the Churches of Christ in the United States. Uh, and there's a process, and, and if you've ever done any scientific research, you know how to randomly select your sampling uh, uh, survey there. Now, mean score for the small congregations was 75%. The mean score for group two was 72%. And the mean score for group three, the larger congregations, was 74%. And we, through some, some analyses, we decided that we could lump all these together and just look at our results from one lump sum. And, and we did that, okay? So combined sample groups, roughly 73.78. I rounded up to 74%. Aaron, hit the next slide, if you would, okay? Here's a graph just, just showing basically how the data distributed. Now, I'm going to talk about actual results of the test now. And then at the end of the presentation, we're going to start plugging some variables in, okay? Obviously and um, intuitively, we would think, okay, the New Testament, they did a lot better than the Old Testament, and, and they did. 
the mean score for the Old Testament across the board, the 50 Old Testament questions, roughly 71%, got into the New Testament, roughly 78%. Okay? And some of the easier, what we would consider easier questions in the Old Testament did quite well. Go ahead and hit the next slide in. For example, question number four. 96% knew that Goliath was the name of the Philistine giant uh, that David killed. Next slide. 94% knew that the rainbow was the sign that God would never destroy the earth by water again. 91 knew that Pharaoh commanded every firstborn Israelite son um, that was going to be killed. Okay. 91% knew the story of Jericho. I mean, these are, I have a nine-year-old granddaughter. I'd like to give her this test just to see what she would score because she'd do real well on these. Okay? Next slide, Aaron. But when we got up in the Old Testament prophecy, down it went. Okay? Next slide. Only 48 percent knew that Judah went into Babylonian captivity. Less than half the people. Go ahead. Four in ten knew that it was the prophet Hosea who said that you uh, sow the wind and you reap the whirlwind. Only 13 percent, this one just blew me out of the water, only 13 percent knew that Micah was the 8th century prophet that predicted the birthplace of Jesus. That's sad. Now, moved on up into the New Testament, and um, if you do, have any school teachers in here? Okay. When you look at, um, it's called Bloom's Taxonomy of Learning. Raise your hand if you ever heard of that. Okay. Well, you have, and that changes all the time as to the different levels. But you have just basic recognition. Um, where a person just understands, okay, I'm recognizing this answer. And the highest level is basically when you can teach that to someone else. Okay, that, that's your, and along that continuum. So what we're talking about is the absolute lowest level of I just recognize this uh, as the correct answer. Go ahead. 96% knew that it, Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. Okay. 92% that knew that Jesus was ahead of the church. I'd like to quiz the other 8% and just ask them, okay, who's head of the church? <laughs> just out of curiosity. Um, 95% knew that it was Jesus who raised Lazarus. Again, 5% who raised Lazarus. Um, 93% knew that the bread represents the body of Christ in the Lord's Supper. Um, but only... And, and this one, I, I, maybe it was a misleading question, I don't know. But only 68% knew that there were four gospel accounts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Go ahead. 67% knew that Jesus was 30 years old when he began his public ministry. A little over half, 55% knew that Paul had three missionary journeys. I'm wondering, what did they do? Study Matthew continually and forget about Acts? Um, now, here's where, in my mind, it really starts getting interesting. Okay? We get into the church demographics. I really... Let me just ask you a question. Who would you think would, if you hadn't seen that slide, 
just intuitively, who would you have thought maybe would have had a better Bible knowledge? Small, medium, or larger congregations? Yeah, yeah, I really thought maybe the smaller ones would. But there was no statistically significant difference between the, the congregations. So here we have the mean score. Uh, overall mean score, as I mentioned, 74%. So it didn't matter if you went to a tiny little congregation where 15 men or you went to a church that had 600 people. really didn't matter. But there are some things that do matter to your Bible knowledge. And we're going to bring those out here in just a minute. Okay, go ahead. <clears throat> Lesson content delivery. And this one really surprised me because there's been some research done that graded material... Uh, in, if you use that, even in your adult class, such as the Gospel Advocate Quarterlies, that you, you tend to have better knowledge. But my research didn't show that. Um, it just really didn't matter. The majority of respondents said they studied straight from the Bible or used material prepared by the teacher. Now, let me just do a little anecdotal survey here. How many of you in your adult classes, either if you're teaching or if you're attending, you have your, the, the teacher uses some type of material that has been purchased, such as the Gospel Advocate Quarterly. Not very many. How many of you, it's just straight out of the Bible, or the teacher prepares his own notes? Yeah, I mean, that's consistent. That's consistent. Um, so what, what's significant about this, or what's important about this is, you guys and gals that are preparing your own material, apparently you're doing a pretty good job of getting in there and digging around. Okay? I think that's good. Um, of over 1,500 respondents, only five reported using, only five of these congregations reported using material that was professionally produced. No wonder gospel advocate in 21st century struggle. <laughs> if it weren't for vacation Bible school and class material from the kids down, they probably would go under. Now, this is important. We're going to talk more about this in depth the second session, okay? Elders, this is important. There was a statistically significant relationship between Bible scores and whether the congregation surveyed had a person in charge of the education program. It didn't matter, and we'll bring this out in just a moment, whether it was a volunteer or a paid professional, it didn't matter. As long as you had a person in charge of that education program. Now, what does that mean? What that means is there is a direct correlation um, actually, I think I would be safe in, in, in saying causation, although I'm not going to go that far, keep it truly scientific, um, that there is definitely a direct correlation between the congregations. If they have someone in charge of the education program, the people are going to have a higher level of Bible knowledge. Okay? I can prove it. Mm. Here's the question. Does your congregation have a person in charge of the education program? Here's what's sad. 459 of those congregations, or those people that were in congregations, not that many congregations, but that many people, 
They're just out there floundering around. They had no one in charge of their education program. Yeah. Are you going to explain why that helps? Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to maybe get into that in the second session. We'll discuss that a little bit if we have time, okay? Yeah. Yeah, I have some thoughts on that. Um, how many people have taken this test? Cool. Didn't you just do it, Vinny? Yeah. yeah. We just did it. Yeah. 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 Can I go ahead and share their mean score? Yeah, go ahead. Bear Valley scored almost 82%. Nice. Fantastic. Now, what I'm going to do is I just, and that's going to go up, I think, because um, just due to the logistics and, and things, um, we did not get some of the teachers' results. So I have the teacher's results, and uh, I have a tenured professor at West Virginia University that's a dear friend and member of the Lord's Church, and he helps me run my statistics because I lost my access at Fairmont State University's nursing program, so I used to run it all myself. But he has a new he has a new AccuScan, and so what I want to do for Bear Valley is I'm going to go back and plug. I'm going to grade those. We're going to go ahead and, and plug the 20 demographic questions in too, just to see how Bear Valley matches up with everything else. So I'm going to play at that a little bit. I'll get you back. Just <laughs> we'll talk about this. And if I don't remind me, raise your hand. We'll talk about this second session. You going to be here second session? Lord willing. Okay. Me too. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead, Aaron. Acts of discipleship. This was interesting. Go ahead. There was a significant relationship between reading the Bible daily. Aaron, you ever heard that at camp? For at least 15 minutes and higher test scores. It seems like 15 minutes seems to be the cutoff. Now, let me, let me go ahead and, and clarify something. The only thing I surveyed was reading the Bible. I did not break it down into Bible study, exegesis, things like that. All I'm talking about is, did you read a passage? Did you read your Bible? And we know there's a vast difference between reading the Bible and Bible study. Um, heard a great analogy. Uh, wish I could take credit for this. When you read your Bible, that's like eating McDonald's. When you do your exegesis, it's like cheesecake. If you like cheesecake, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you yeah, last, but you know, you do it slow and you enjoy it. Uh, anyway, not for that. Back up a minute. Okay. So here we are daily for at least 15 minutes. At the end of this session, we're going to tie three major variables together to tell you three things you do. Your Bible knowledge is going to go through the rope. Go ahead. How often do you read the Bible? Okay. Never seldom, once a month, once a week, daily. Look here. Look how it goes from 60 to 80. Okay. Next slide. Significant relationship, another act of discipleship between higher test scores and those who prayed more than once a day. Next slide. Look, seldom. And these people, first of all, um, most people tend to fudge their answers and give themselves a whole lot more you know, than, than is actually true. And preachers, they've act, some of my colleagues have actually done studies on this. Preachers are the worst at sort of fudging how much they do, <laughs> believe it or not. More than once a day, look at the test scores. Look at that. Go ahead. 
there was a significant relationship, in other words, a direct correlation between higher test scores and those who attended both Sunday and midweek Bible classes. By the way, those that have shut down, don't have classes for the past year and a half, two years, what's this telling us? Okay, Both Sunday and midweek, look at this, from 64 to 77%. Next slide, Aaron. There was a significant relationship between the higher test scores and the tenure of Bible class attendance. Those um, younger couples who are not bringing their children to Bible school, to Bible classes, this will be interesting to you. Get the next slide. Okay. How long have you attended? Over 15 years, 79%. Usually don't attend, 66 that's just barely getting by in any class. When my son was in med school, he that he wouldn't have passed with that. He had to have 80 and above. Engineering school, would you pass it? I mean, no, you're done. You're out of the program, okay? <laughs> Thank God that we serve a very gracious God. <laughs> but look at this. Usually don't attend less than one year up to if you've attended over 15 years. Okay, now, this is important, a significant relationship between higher test scores and if you attended Bible class in your formative years. Go ahead. Look at this. If you did not attend or seldom or Sunday morning only or midweek only when you were growing up, and I took those formative years up to about 18 to 20, but if you did both Sunday morning and Sunday evening, in other words, if your parents loved you enough to take you, whether you wanted to go or not, to those Bible classes, look at this. Look at that. Go ahead. There was a significant relationship between higher test scores and the frequency, how often you attended worship. Look at this. Usually, right there. Look at this. If you just came once a month, we have people... I preached for the same congregation for 30, I'm in my 32nd year. I am now baptizing children of kids that were children when I moved there. And the ones that are dedicated and bring their children now and they attended versus seldom or once a month, I mean, you can just see the difference. Go ahead. Whether you taught a Bible class, statistically significant difference. Look at the difference in this. If you did not teach a Bible class, about 73%. But when you taught a Bible, and it didn't matter which Bible class, it could be the cradle roll class. It could be the adult class. Almost 74%. Higher test scores and acts of Christian discipleship. Look, as the frequency of acts of Christian service increased, the score Increased. Go ahead. Once a week, 78%. Never, 62%. Now, getting a little closer to home here, okay? The subject's personal. Don't hit the next slide. No! Okay. Okay. (laughs) Our esteemed colleague, Dr. Dave Miller, in his session this morning brought out the point that in IQ tests, women consistently score higher than men. Who thinks women scored higher on this test? 
Who thinks men scored higher? Hit the slide. Go ahead. Majority of participants were female because in most congregations in West Virginia, due to that redneck mountain men mentality, it's not cool to go to church. You're a sissy if you do. So we have a lot of women who attend without their husbands. Not always the case. Okay. Go ahead. Here's who completed the test. Next slide. We have an aging population in West Virginia. Okay, our church is actually a little older than the average congregation. Go ahead. Now, the mean age-wise, uh, 18 to 30, this would be, uh, just at that time, just the tip of the iceberg of the Gen Xers and a lot of millennials. If I have time, I'm going to talk about some recent research on Bible knowledge among millennials, okay? Go ahead, Aaron. Marital status, okay? Married, a lot better, okay? Go ahead. Did we miss the slide on gender? You're back here. Okay. Look who scored higher. <laughs> I will, in all fairness, when I was a student at Freed Hardeman, I took one class, one Bible class with my wife. Dow Flat, Dr. Dow Flat's Critical Introduction to the New Testament. Now, what a, why my wife wanted to take that class with me, I'll never know. And she got a better grade on the paper and in the class than I did, in all fairness. Don't mention that. <laughs> That's about five or six. Okay, let's get on back up to where we've only got 15 minutes left. Okay. Okay, educational level. Um, back that up a minute. Back it that way. Yeah. Obviously, we would expect uh, if the higher your educational level, um, better you'd score on this. And, and that's the case. Uh, actually, this should be highlighted red because if you attended or completed graduate school, you, you scored a little higher. Um, I, I really don't know why other than maybe, I don't know. It happened that way. Okay. Next slide. Now, look at this. I think every Christian college president and recruiter should have this research. If you graduated from a Christian college, you had a mean score of 88% compared to a mean score of 75% if you never attended a Christian college. What does that tell us? You know, that, that by, if, if you attended a Christian college and if you were a, a biology or a psychology or an educational major and still had to get up at 8 o'clock, and go to that one Bible class a semester, which when I was at Freed Hardeman, that's what was required. Well, you knew the Bible better, so it was worth it. Go ahead, Aaron. How long, if you graduated from a Christian college? 88% roughly. <clears throat> Mentoring, this is important. 
there was a significant relationship between higher test scores and those who have been mentored. Now, we're talking about a new converts class. We're talking about a one-on-one. We're talking about something as simple as using David Farr's little book, 49 uh, Lessons for the New Christian. As long as you were mentored, okay? Look at this. First of all, have you ever been mentored or completed a training class for new Christians? 996 said no. Those of us that have had children, that's like having babies and not teaching them anything, right? But look at the mean score. Only 345 said they have been. We'll talk about that more second section here. Christian camp. I'm a big, big fan of Christian camps. There was a significant relationship between higher test scores and those who had attended a Christian youth camp. 78%. So Aaron, those Bible classes in the morning at West Virginia Christian Youth Camp, something sunk into your skull. Okay? Go ahead. So, our conclusion. We seem to be doing a fairly adequate job of teaching Bible facts. Okay? Go ahead. There was a significant relationship between the higher test scores and those who read their Bible for at least 15 minutes daily, that were generally effective in imparting Bible facts, okay? (coughs) That the majority of our churches surveyed, they still put a tremendous emphasis on and value on Bible study and Bible knowledge. I don't know of any church that would... uh, Honestly say, no, we don't think it's important enough to not read the Bible. Now, I wanted to leave a little bit of of question time, comment time. Um, You can go ahead and if you're interested um, in some further consultation, uh, questions, anything, feel free to shoot me an email. Um, Give me a call. So... Where do we go with this? What I want to do next session is I want to break down some of those significant areas and 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 just discuss those a little bit, and maybe you'll have some questions, some suggestions, some thoughts, and see how we, as leaders in the church, as teachers, as even individual Christians, as we work through our discipleship of being better disciples of Jesus, how we can take this information and, and apply it and make it practical in, in a very useful way. Okay, So I'm going to stop right there and um, just ask you what's your reaction, your thoughts or questions, comments. Just what useful. Yeah, Aaron. Well, I know my whole life you, you always hear that comment of, well, if you go you know, three times a week and you read your Bible daily, that it's going to help you. And there's always that question, I think, from the critical part of you that's like, what data do you have to back that up? So, I mean, it's pretty neat because in every one of those demographics, it's like increasing, you know, yeah. one time a week, two times a week. It's, yeah. it's so consistent through all those categories. So, it is, yeah. 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 So the things that the church leaders, your mom and dad, your mentors have said, now we, it's not anecdotal now, now we can scientifically back up what they were saying. Good, good comment. Yeah, Danny. I almost feel like in a, in a way, we need to come back to some of the initial slides that you had because 
you know, we do have that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And we understand that ignorance is that which destroys souls. Mm -hmm. And God has determined that our way to him comes through information. And so this this is not just numbers on a page. This is souls. Mm -hmm. These are people's lives. We're talking about eternity. And knowing what the book that's going to get you Mm -hmm. there says. And so, you know, as a dad and as an educator, I'm thinking, let's get them to Christian camp. Let's get them to Bible class. Let's get them to Sunday night. Let's get them because this big picture, we're talking about souls. And look at the long term effects. Exactly. You can't just say, okay, we're going to go for a month and see an impact. But the long term, lifelong effect of. There's so many other dynamics that we could have looked at, the the encouragement, the fellowship, the Hebrews 10, 23 through 25, but excellent comment. Yeah. Um, I found that just the fact that I had taught apps to fourth graders made it so that I could answer those questions. There you go. Um, I've been in other apps classes Mm -hmm. with the teaching of it. Yeah, yeah, that's so that's so important. Um, you don't really learn anything until you teach others, and that's that highest level on Bloom's taxonomy of learning. When you're able to develop, um, to develop, when you transfer the mind of God, which comes from into your mind into their minds, is basically the process to where they can transfer it to someone else's minds to where they become a disciple. I mean, that's the process, right? Excellent comments. I have 244. So um, next session, we're going to jam a bunch in that, and I don't anticipate getting through everything that I want to. And um, I asked Denny if, if they could schedule me on Friday so I'd have a little more time. And he put me the very last thing. I finish up at 4, a plane to catch at 6. So... I want to be able to stay and answer any questions, so I blame Danny for that. Yeah. <laughs> Write down his information, and um, you can shoot him a question yeah. uh, if you have one. And, um, I'm, I've not heard this material before, and um, it's, it's great, great stuff, and I'm really looking forward to the next session.